The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Greetings. Welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouths. Nate Ryan here with Jeff Burton, the mayor, Steve Latart. And we'll have a big show on tap for you today. We want your phone calls at 844-NASCAR-NBC. We're going to have Brad Jordy joining us in a little bit. We'll also have Cody Ware joining us later in the show. Big show, but some big news that we want to get to top of the show here and lead off with a penalty to Xfinity Series driver Noah Gregson, who has been penalized 30 owner and driver points and fined $35,000 for intentionally wrecking Sage Karam during Saturday's Xfinity race at uh, Road America. NASCAR cited Section 44C, that's intentionally wrecking another vehicle, and Section 44E of its rulebook for actions detrimental to stock car racing. So a $35,000 fine to Noah Gregson, 30 owner and driver points docked for the team, and NASCAR's explanation uh, for this penalty being issued today was Instead of during the race, NASCAR said that they waited until Tuesday to issue this penalty because they felt there was a significant enough concern that due to the aggressive nature of the race and the potential for mechanical failures, we wanted to discuss with Noah and look at the race car to ensure there was nothing mechanical that may have led to the incident. Parking the nine during the event was an option, but we felt that more information was needed before making a decision on any disciplinary measures. That was a statement from a NASCAR spokesman, spokesman that was provided to Dustin Long of NBCSports.com. So we're going to bring in our NASCAR NBC analysts. What do you guys make of this news? Are you surprised by the penalty? I'm not surprised by the penalty. I think that I think a penalty was warranted. I think that, you know, what I think we both made it pretty clear, especially post-race, the way we felt. Uh, it was an intentional move by Noah. We've seen intentional moves before. Intentional people intentionally wreck someone. But in my eyes, um, it matters what happens with the end result. If I wreck somebody and they spin off into the grass, that's different than if I wreck somebody and they take out 12 people with them. If Jeff Gordon and I are fighting down the back straightaway at Texas and we push and shove and nobody gets hurt, that's one thing. If, if he swings or I sing and we make contact and, the guy, and we injure one another, it has to be treated differently. So in my eyes, the end result matters. The fact that he intentionally wrecks someone and other people got involved, and with that many people that, that got in that wreck, to me, that changes the ball game, and there was a penalty that was warranted. There's a lot of layers. So I'm going to start <laughs> with the simple fact is it was clear to me um, after watching it, finishing the race, and hearing there was, hearing there was nothing wrong with his car, that was, it was intentional. Him admitting it as it was intentional is just more evidence piling against him. It's not shocking to me that they put a penalty out there 
because of the severity of the incident. I mean, it was a severe incident. Now, on the other side of the fence, I will say, if I'm another driver, or if I'm a crew chief of a driver, I'm encouraging my driver to go have a conversation with NASCAR to understand a line that I feel has shifted a little. In my opinion, as a crew chief, just mine, my, my singular experience in the garage is racing for position, regardless how egregious an offense would be, was pretty much free game. Now, I will say this is perhaps one of the most egregious we've seen, so maybe this finally got too far. But my point is, Joey Logano sent William Byron into the fence to win Darlington, right? Like, contacted the rear bumper, admits he hits him, sends him up the thing, right? I didn't have a problem with that either. So my point is, racing for position, I thought was kind of the get-out-of-jail-free card of, hey, man, we're not going to get in this. We're not going to referee this. What this proves to me, to use one of Jeff's points, is it all doesn't happen in a vacuum, and the result of your choices does affect if there will or won't be a penalty. I think I'm okay with that, but I'm going to encourage my driver to go, like, hey, you're the guy holding the steering wheel. You walk in, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation so you know how to operate for the races moving forward. So I, I want to I back up because we always get to this point. We always end up talking about Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano at Martinsville. We always compare. For some mm -hmm. reason, our I didn't bring base, that one up. Though. I was free and clear on that <laughs> one. Our yeah. base gets yeah, right, right there, right, right? right? And then they bring situations up like you just mentioned where, yeah. you know, hey, you mentioned, he, I, I intentionally put him in. I intentionally moved him out of the way to win a race, right? <clears throat> There's always been this thing in NASCAR where they don't, well, I shouldn't say always, but since boys have at it, right? That infamous phrase, boys have at it, where they don't want to police the sport. At the same time, they put this thing out there and they say, but there's a line that can be crossed. And I defended Matt Kenseth on the penalty they gave him because how is he supposed to know that that was a line? How is he supposed to know that the severity of that penalty would be that big? So what we've been dealing with in the last several years, in my opinion, is we've had drivers intentionally wrecking each other. Things have gotten out of control in the, in the truck series. They're starting to get out of control in the Xfinity series. What's that line? So if I'm a driver, I need to know what that line is. Right. And to me today, I now know, hey, if I wreck somebody on purpose and it creates this entire thing that, that happened after he created I'm going to have to deal with that. So it's, it is, to me as a driver, although it's never going to be crystal clear unless we have rules like they do in F1, and we don't want that. I, I don't, don't want that. Please don't do that. Unless we have rules like that, mm -hmm. there's always going to be this vagueness. But it's more clear to me today as a driver that if I intentionally wreck someone, I am exposing myself to a problem. If I do something and it turns into a bigger thing than it, I meant it to be, great example in my world, is if Carl, remember Carl Edwards and Brad Keselowski in Atlanta? Mm -hmm. Carl Edwards intentionally wrecked Brad Keselowski. He's on his roof. I mean, that, that's different than spinning somebody out on corner exit and they go down to the grass. They have to be treated differently. Brad Keselowski could have been seriously injured. Fans in the stands could have been seriously injured. Brad, in my eyes, Carl Edwards should have been treated very, very severely in that case because he did it. He didn't even might, he didn't mean to put him on his roof, but he did put him on his roof. So, so it's fair to so, say, make sure I understand. So it's fair to say that as a race car driver, and I asked you this because I'm a crew chief, right? I, I've had to defend a driver. I've never been behind the wheel in this situation. You're willing to, you, what you're saying is if you're willing to have this action of wrecking a race car, you have to be able to, willing to accept that if it doesn't go out, you have planned, it may or may not be a different penalty. The end result matters. Okay.
That's so, my right. view of it. Okay. So the Carl Edwards situation, there was no penalty. So the line has changed. We learned a little about the line Which today. was ridiculous. Like Stevie said, many layers to this, many reactions. And we yeah. also had Dale Earnhardt Jr., Noah Gregson's team owner, react to it this morning on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Let's take a listen. I was shocked, uh, to be honest with you, when I saw Noah make that decision. I was just uh, completely shocked and uh, in, a, in a bit of a disbelief that not only made that choice, but, um, you know, that it created such a such an accident and, you know, got so many other guys involved. And so that was kind of, I don't know, that was, that was tough to watch, really tough. And kind of surprised that NASCAR didn't penalize him. I think that um, NASCAR doesn't want to over-officiate the races, but I think in some situations there's there's some things that do cross over a line. And I felt like that that, that was definitely one of those situations where had I been in the booth, you know, run, uh, directing the race, uh, I think I would have had to had to bring Noah to pit road and, and hold him there for a while. But um, so I was a little surprised because I feel like, you know, that was kind of the precedent that had been set in the past, I, I suppose. Like, I think that when Noah made that choice that, you know, that he doesn't, he might not understand the ripple effect of all of that and how just really how much collateral damage there is and how how it affects a lot of people. And so, you know, I was disappointed and absolutely, absolutely planned to discuss that with Noah, and I have this week. And basically my message to Noah is that he needs to take that out of his toolbox. Like that, you can be aggressive and you can push back against guys. He could have waited and sent Sage uh, into the sand trap off of turn six. What it, You know, he could have done so many different things in that situation other than what he chose and he cannot we can't be intentionally turning into guys on straightaway you know i just hope that he realizes that that really is something that he needs to to be careful about going forward this you know noah wants to race in the cup level he wants to get to the cup level and we want to help him get there whether he's driving a cup car for us one day or someone else when he makes those type of decisions and this is what i told him i said you're hurting that opportunity you're tarnishing, staining your reputation, and that's the last thing you want to do when you're trying to get job offers. I told him that I could stand behind him through just about anything, but I could not defend that. That's a difficult position for me or anybody to be in. It's when you want to support somebody and you're helping somebody try to achieve their goals, but they do something you can't stand. And that's, that, that was just the message I gave him, and I hope that you know, he's going to hear from Luke, his crew chief. They'll talk this week, and they've already had some discussions, and, and he'll likely have all kinds of advice coming at him. But I hope that, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, he he can he can come back from something like that, but that that's that's something that you don't ever want to see somebody do. It's over. It crosses the line, clearly, and, uh, and you don't ever want to see it happen on the racetrack between anybody. You don't ever want to see any driver do that. You know, if he's smart and, and pulls himself together and moves forward in the right direction, he can he can he can learn from it and move past it. You know, I hope that when he's getting beat on and shoved around by these guys, that he can control that emotion in the future. That's the main thing. Because when you're in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, man. I mean, we all we all have been, you know, as race car drivers, we've all been in a situation where, man, we just want to turn this guy. We can't stand it, and we're so frustrated, and we just. And we want to get back at somebody so badly, but you have to you have to hold back. You have to pull the reins in in some situations because it's oh it's against the code, you know. And so 
hopefully he's, he's going to understand that going forward. I hate that he did it, you know. I hate to see somebody have to go through this because it's a difficult thing, especially being involved in it. We'll see. I think he's definitely regretful, absolutely, 100% regretful. He talked to me. He said in the moment of steering in the sage that he realized that he had made a bad choice and he had made a big mistake. And then it really sunk in and hit home when he came back around and saw the cards that were collected. I think that he definitely um, had a had a natural, you know, human reaction to to what he saw, and that was probably pretty impactful just in the moment. Now that you know, when we sit down and talk to him this week, you know, he you hope that it's sinking in. You, you hope that he's understanding it, and and hope that he uh, absorbs it and and realizes that you know that's something that he can't do again going forward. And you know, you just have to have to hope that he he realizes that that was a pretty bad bad decision one of one of the one of the poorest decisions you can make behind the wheel of a race car and not make it again from dale so strong words there from dale jr uh, about his driver noah gregson he's clearly concerned about the impact on his reputation he says he's got to take that move out of his toolbox and dale jr also surprised that nascar didn't bring noah to pit road and Told him to sit for a while. So interesting comments there. So, so, so listen, we, we, Dale Jr. is the most honest person I know. He just lays it out there, whether it's his driver or his team. Like he just, he just is. Um, and I agree with ninety-five percent. I'm not so sure I don't agree with one hundred percent of what he said. And I, one thing too, I think is important. We're talking about these penalties, uh, and we're not even talking about it in specific to a driver. It's just the, to me, it's the incident. Meaning, I don't care if it's Noah Gregson. Or Harrison Burton. I don't care. This is that what happened. And I think the reason I'm saying that is because Dale Jr. said something that's really important. Noah can overcome this. This isn't the end of the world. Oh, yeah. This is a development series. We said that during the race. It's a development series. And we get caught up, right, because we discuss these things. But at the end of the day, Noah is a human being. And he's, a, he's, he's made a mistake. And Noah can be better because of this if he lets it and you know i don't think that that should be overlooked we we view these things and then we walk away from it he lives at every moment he lives at every second and it can be overwhelming but if handled correctly noah can actually make this a strength and use it to his advantage in the long run if he handles it correctly Noah's more valuable after this incident than he was before i mean from someone who raised mechanics raised engineers you know if a mechanic leaves a part off a car or something loose in practice you know everybody's like well you need to fire that guy because he made a mistake i'm like well but he's already made the mistake so if he's learned from the mistake isn't he a better mechanic now like why we've already paid for the mistake we had a car fall out of a race or whatever the issue is right so so noah's made this mistake so if if noah is a better more mature driver after this well then you know, there is some reputational damage that you're going to have to, like, work on. That's fact, right? But if you and, – and I know you can get through that. This is, no, by, like, a blip in the radar of everything he's going to deal with his, his career. He's a better driver because of it. That's what Saturdays are for. I'm great with all that. Um, I also think the way Dale, first of all, was very honest and very real. But what I love about that is what I heard there is, is I don't think he was only talking to Noah. Like, I think when Dale Jr. speaks, a lot of people listen. And I think, to Jeff's point <laughs> – Truck, maybe not the cup guys, right? They're, they're off and on in their careers. But what he said is, you want to get the cup. I want to get you here. I can't help you when you do this. So every other driver who wants to get the cup just heard, okay, so the guy perhaps the biggest voice in the sport just said he can't support his own driver 
in his own car if he chooses to race like this. Well, man, he's on broadcast TV, and he has a podcast, and he has all this reach. I don't want him talking about me. Yeah, I think he inadvertently kind of put all these young drivers a little bit on notice. Be like, hey, man, just decide how you want to do this because I'm letting you know that I'm not okay with this. So now don't act like, well, I didn't know this was going to bother you. No, no, I just said it was going to. So I I think there's a lot to this. His words definitely resonate. And those words, that interview was on Sirius XM Channel 90 with Pete Pistone and Mike Bagley this morning. That was on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Noah Gregson also on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio today, uh, this afternoon. And he also addressed this incident. Let's hear what he had to say. At the same time, I I made a mistake. And and what I would do differently is um, keep my uh, temper or aggression and um, keep that under control and, and try and remain cool, calm, and collected. There's a, a bigger picture than retaliating or, or getting stage back for the multiple times they adored us. We have a, a bigger picture to chase. So um, I made a mistake, and I hope to not make that mistake again. I'm going to try everything in my power not to make that mistake again, and, and that comes from learning from the situation and, and trying to be better in the future. Dale's been a great mentor to myself and a, a guy who I really look up to and his advice definitely definitely sticks with me I definitely was listening and and just trying to take everything that that he was saying um and and become better from it and um obviously mistakes have been made but I feel like if if I can learn from it and become a better person um or better race car driver or, or just better overall that's the thing I need to focus on right now and um, I really respect Dale's opinion, and I know it's it's not very popular, um, the, the things that are going on, but if I can learn from it, um, that's all I can do right now. I want to be the best race car driver I can be and um, be the best best overall professional um, person I, I can be on the track and off the track. And um, after a weekend like this, it's, it's obviously um, – a step in the wrong direction, but I think we can rebound from it and I can take it as a, as a learning opportunity and, um, you know, become better from it and, and help me for the future. So, um, with that being said, we're going to, we're going to move on and, um, try and be better. And, and I hope to see myself in five years as uh, a respected competitor. All right, and now we welcome in Brad Doherty joining us here on NASCAR American Motor Mouse. Brad, obviously you just heard the elongated discussion we're having. We heard yeah. from Dale Jr., we heard from Noah Gregson. Now we want to hear from you, your thoughts on uh, the penalty today. Yeah, you know, I, I thought the penalty obviously was, was warranted. Uh, you know, if you think about it, Noah Gregson's 24 years old. Um, and I love it when Jeff and Steve talk about this being a developmental series. He made a mistake. He made an egregious mistake. But just think about it, 24 years of age. You know how dumb the majority of 24-year-old American males are? So we got to give him a little bit of leeway here. I love everything he said. Uh, I felt like it was heartfelt. But I do have a question in thinking about this. Ever since I watched this on Saturday, you know, is it different coming to a checkered flag versus – getting into some way, someone during the race. I understand the collateral damage, and I think that's why NASCAR reacted so heavily because there was so much collateral damage. But we see guys get dumped all the time at Talladega and Daytona and these places coming to a, a checkered flag, and everyone seems to be okay with that. So 
where is this imaginary line I hear everyone talking about? I, I do think this is more specific to everyone else being uh, banged up and their race cars being destroyed and those types of things and Brandon Brown being injured uh, temporarily. So, yeah, I think that's why NASCAR reacted. But why? How do we define this? I don't know where this line is. And why is it different if we're racing for a checkered flag versus coming down the, the straightaway there? So that's just something I'm trying to, to understand for myself. And maybe these guys can answer that. Well, I, listen, I'm not NASCAR spokesperson, but my, my view of it is racing for position and retaliation aren't in the same category. Like, that wasn't a racing incident. The banging and beating that happened prior to that, that was a racing incident. The end result was a retaliation. And I think those, there would be no penalty for everything that happened in a racing incident, but, but that was just a retaliatory move. So I don't view that as the same as coming to the start-finish line with a checkered flag flying at any race. I, that was just a retaliation from being mad at somebody for racing. I think it's two different things. That's my opinion. Well, I think this is the moment that we talk about being a race car driver. You know, it's more than just driving. You know, why was Jimmy Johnson so good, Jeff Gordon, Dale Sr., Jeff Burton, Bobby Labonte? The list is very long. Well, because they were more than just very talented drivers. They were good communicators. They understood who the decision makers were within NASCAR, and they had relationships with them to understand how they perceived it. Because in the end, right, Brad, it's not even the referee in the NBA. Sure, you knew one ref was really hard on this, and one ref wasn't really hard on that. Absolutely. It's still human, right? So a race car, if if, if I'm you, the team owner, I don't think you, me, or Jeff can answer that question, but I would be telling Ricky Stenhouse, I expect you to go in the truck, and talk sure. to O'Donnell or whomever the right person is, because in the end, what I love about this, the only ones that really have to know are the ones that put the helmet on and pull the belts tight, right? Like, because they're the ones operating in this, in this arena. So um, it's kind of like I said when I came on here, you know, I would just, if I'm a crew chief here, I'm making sure my driver asks the same question you just asked, Brad, because if he asked me, I'm going to say what Jeff said. Ah, wrong guy. I don't make these calls. Yeah. Go to NASCAR. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and, you know, and I, I say that half tongue in cheek, but to your point, just try to understand it. We understand it's not black and white and everything's going to be justified, but at least have as much information. Don't wreck somebody and then say, well, Brad, I'm sorry. I didn't even go talk to NASCAR out of a NOAA thing. I'd yeah. be mad. I'd be like, like, what are you doing? So I'm curious, Brad, you've, you've been, I mean, you've raced for a long time. You, you've, mm-hmm. you watch some of the best, best short track racers in the country race yeah. going yeah. at each other. I'm curious, like, when do you think NASCAR should step in? Because I think that's really the question here that we all have. 100%. Like, when does NASCAR have to step in? I'm curious to get your take with all the experience you have. Yeah, I, that is 100% the question here, Jeff. And I, I think NASCAR needs to make it just a little more definable. I, I think this situation has put an unfair amount of pressure on Kelly and Dale uh, because NASCAR waited so long to really say something about this or make a decision. I think, just like Dale Jr. said, I think that Noah should have been parked uh, and, and the lesson should have been learned and heeded right there. Uh, yeah, I grew up watching Jack Ingram and Sam Art and Bob Presley and all these boring guys, and there was a code amongst the drivers for sure, but as it got later into the race, you were going for a ride if you were in the way, and that's just the way it is, and that was definable amongst them. Today, we're a little more civilized, racing a little bit more decorum. I think NASCAR needs to, and like I said, we don't want F1 rules. No, we want guys leaning on each other really, really hard. But if it's retaliation and those types of things, 
I think there needs to be a clear path, which we kind of have now, up to what the, the penalty could be or the avenue you're going to go down. But we really didn't know that until now. And I don't think that's I don't think that's right. I think we should know that before now. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Brad and, and Dale Jr. Like, I, I think NASCAR should have been more proactive in reacting. I think they should have addressed mm-hmm. it immediately. I, I think that the statement is problematic that they felt there's a potential for mechanical failure. And so, that, that, so we that had this conversation. No so, so Nate and I, Brad, are totally split on this. And I agree. I, yeah. I don't agree with you, Dale, or, or Nate, as far as the in-race incident. And, and I think because what I, I – first of all, don't love officiating where we don't need it. I do believe it needed to step in in the situation. So I think we can all say, hey, this crossed – wherever the line is, this crossed it, right? We hate to see this. Mm-hmm. But – I appreciate them not stepping in because I like the fact they got all the evidence. And, and I know that upsets people, but there are, like, how do you know what did or didn't happen? They don't have data. These aren't cup cars. They can't see what the driver is or isn't doing. There wasn't an in-car camera. There wasn't, there wasn't like, they talked to Noah. They had a conversation with him. I like, from the guy who has gone through inspection more than enough times in his life, I like for the decision of a penalty to be decided after all the evidence is heard and seen. So while I appreciate what you're saying, and it did put Dale and Kelly in a tough spot, but unfortunately that's what happens when you're an owner. Those are your tough spots. I like the fact that they waited. I like that all the – there's because now we're not questioning what could have happened. No, I know. He did it. He got penalized. I have no other questions in my mind. So I'm the minority, and I'm okay with it, but I like the fact it wasn't an in-race issue. It's too late. Hey, look, look. I'm as sharp as a marble, but I 100% knew (laughs) – that Noah Gregson wrecked Sage. No doubt about it. No question. Retaliation. None. And so, but, but the, I, I think the, the, the larger point here is, okay, you're saying wait till all the evidence is collected. No, sorry. The sport moves on too quickly. That, that should have been dealt with. There is ways to deal with things, I do believe. Then, they deal with Noah now. Park him now. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It could have been mechanical, could have, but it, we know it wasn't. NASCAR knows it wasn't. Take that pressure off of Dale and Kelly. I thought that was unfair. I just think it was unfair for them to have to deal with this, answer to this, and sit and go through it, and even be talking about this today when no one needs to be dealing with this. He needs to be talking about this immediately. So I, I can see your point, though, because it is irrefutable now. But I, listen, man, there's no way. I mean, you're sitting there looking at the guy wrecking 100%, seeing it a thousand times. Come on. I, listen, I think Noah put the pressure on Kelly and Dale, not NASCAR. I, I don't, I don't understand well, how NASCAR put fair. pressure. I think Noah Gregson well, put pressure on. Well, by not making a call. By not making a call. Well, but they did make, but they did make a call. Just afterwards. They, didn't make, they made late. the call today. Well, why is it too late? He still got penalized. Right. Well, I mean, they, they so, should have. So, so, here, so look, I don't, I don't know the answer. I think, I, think the, I think what makes this complicated, okay, and it's a great debate that we're going to have – from now until the end of time with NASCAR because you said, and you said, we don't want rules like F1, mm-hmm. right? So right. it's going to be impossible for NASCAR to write a set of rules that we all can look at something and say, that's what happened and that's what the rule's going to be because every situation's different. Now, we don't like that because we want to understand all the rules, but I think that NASCAR, because they want the drive, NASCAR has a history of letting the drivers take care of themselves. Like you just talked about with Jack Ingram and, 
and Bob Presley and all those guys, they have a history of doing that. And that's part of the NASCAR history and heritage, and that shouldn't go away. So how do you marry that with a set of written rules? It's almost impossible to do. I mean, at the end of the day, the practicality of officiating a race, which is what we're talking about here, right. how, do you, mm-hmm. how do you marry all that together? It, 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 the, and it's, you're going to have these moments where fans are going to say, well, that was inconsistent, that was inconsistent. But the only way to make that go away is just to write a set of rules that says, if you ever wreck somebody, you're going to be penalized. I just, I have a problem. And I don't with, know how you do that. I think, I, I understand what you're saying, Jeff, that every situation is different. I think everything should be treated differently and accordingly, according <laughs> to the facts. But I don't think NASCAR should react differently according to the situations. I think that they should officiate the same way. To, to Brad's point, everything right. is on the fly during the race. And I have a real problem with the logical fallacies in this statement of, the potential for mechanical failures. NASCAR always tells us safety is paramount. If they're worried about a mechanical failure on that car, pull it in the pit road and check and make sure that it doesn't have a problem that's going to cause it to wipe out a third of the field the way that Noah Gregson did by intentionally turning his car to the right. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same outcome. So I have a different opinion because what happens if they're wrong? What happens if they? What happens if they, safety is paramount, Stevie? Like, no, that, but that's, that's the, the be-all end-all. No, that's like a, I disagree. I, I, I don't understand. Nas, so so should the they check every there. car that's been in a wreck? Like where no, do you? No, but but, but, but I, still, I still go back to I, I think the collateral damage and all the race cars that got torn up. I think that's why this is such a huge topic in conversation. Oh, yes. zero yes. doubt. Yeah, yes. listen, we all agree yeah. that the result changed. Yeah. The result of his choice changed the penalty. I don't, I don't think there's any argument there for sure. Are you yes. okay with that? What? That's with the question. Are you in? okay with no, no, no? Are you okay with the end result to help and determine if he should have been penalized or not? Because I'm okay with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Okay. No doubt about okay. it. But, but so the question on the, the conversely would be okay. So if he gets into Sage, no one else gets involved in the accident. They just take those two out. Is he penalized for that or no? Nope. I would, I would I say no. So. I, don't I would think say no. If he, if he could, you know, that was the point I asked Jeff. I said, so what you're saying is if you make this, this act, you're willing to take whatever the result may be because you can't, can't control it. As a matter What's of fact, fair? Dale Jr. even said, hey, man, hey, Noah, like just go down and turn five and shove him off the racetrack. And there, then it's yeah. just a race, right? So yeah. that's where this – that's where – NASCAR racing is complicated. Sure. It's more sure. complicated no than F1. It. It's no more complicated it. than IndyCar because it's always been part of our heritage to get in there and door bang. And when you do that, you're going to wreck. Yeah. And it's so that's what makes it complicated. We and and it is it is it was the price we pay to watch people go at it. It's the price we yes. pay, and it's not always perfect. 24-year-old American males are very dumb. <laughs> yes, they very, are. Very, very dumb. Uh, I was one of them. Brad, we really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, thanks again for uh, adding a lot to Absolutely. this discussion, this debate. Really appreciate thanks, it. Brad. Thank you, buddy. And uh, we'll be continuing it on the other side when we come back from the break here on NASCAR American Motor Miles. We'll be taking your phone calls. Want to hear what you have to say at 844-NASCAR-NBC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to NASCAR American Motormouths, where the topic du jour today is the penalty to Xfinity Series driver Noah Gregson. $35,000 fine, 30 owner and driver points, and allowed me to say a big word that has Jeff Burton currently. <laughs> I'm trying to. Can I Google it? i got to spell it. Can I get the, Jeff, get that on the air this weekend. Yeah. Yesterday, the soup the door was. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, so we're taking your phone calls. 844-NASCAR-NBC. Oh, we're going to go speed dial, and we're going to start with our friend Carl. Welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Carl, what you got on Noah Gregson? All right. Um, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me. Dale Jr. let me know that fine was okay because I agree with the majority of what he said. Here's what we need from NASCAR because it seems like we talk about this all the time, whether it's Pitt Road or some consistency. That's what I want. Um, Yeah, Jeff, this is such, it's complicated, but I want consistency from NASCAR. If this is the start line, the line where we feel as far as a retaliation rule, well, then let's go levels. But I want consistency from NASCAR, and and that's what I want. And if this has got to be the starting point on retaliation, then break it down from there, like you said, the drivers. But we've got to get consistent NASCAR. That's what I would like to see. I'm gonna let the driver have it. Go ahead. Hey, I'm okay with that. I, uh, yeah, let's 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 have a conversation about what happens if you if you pay somebody back. I'm cool with that conversation. I, I think that's a reasonable idea. All right, all right. Speed dial. Let's go to our next caller, who is James. James, welcome to NAS- NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Hi guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. You guys have been having a lot of really good discussion about this Gregson incident. And honestly, you've answered just about every question I have about it. So I'll pivot to something a little different. Where do you, where in terms of what tracks or what styles of tracks do you think that this Generation 7 car has delivered the most? And on those tracks where it hasn't delivered quite as much, what do you think the primary improvements that we need to make going forward are? And then finally, who do you guys think in this first year of the Gen 7 car is starting to break out as the championship favorite? Thanks again. I'll, I'll jump right in. It's been great at super speedways, great at mile and a half, great at the higher speed tracks, the road courses. I don't have an issue with it. I think the concern is the field is actually so close. It's not that it's you know hurt passing because of arrow or this. They're just all running reasonably the same speed. I'm kind of okay with that because as a crew chief, sharpen your pencil, get to work, find a way to get some track position. Uh, road America in general, it's a four mile track, so there's a, you know it's a great place to go race and they're exciting. But, but it's it's big and it's spread out versus a Sonoma or the Watkins Glen. Listen. There's no hiding. Martinsville was, it was awful. It was not a good race. Like, I'm not going to hide. It was not a good race. Richmond, people can blame the car. It looked like every Richmond race I've ever seen for the last five years. I love the strategy aspect of that. Martinsville is circled with six highlighters and a big arrow. The why and the what, I don't know. I think less grip, whether it's tire, arrow. In the long term, I don't know if it can be done for this year. Maybe even reduce the shifting so you have to get through the corner and get off yourself. But all I'll tell you is Charlotte looked awful the first time, and it was great when we went back at the test, so they can fix it. Martinsville's the one they need to work on. The hardest question to ask is who's the standout for the championship? This yeah. year? Um, you know what? Yeah. You come back to me in eight weeks. <laughs> eight weeks, I'm going to give you a pants. I just ignored it. I just ignored it because it was such a hard question. I don't want to answer it. You selectively answer some yeah, questions. That's right. That's you. right, for sure. All right, uh, back to the phone lines. NASCAR America Motor Mouse. We've got Alex. Allison, sorry. Allison's up next. Allison, welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. 
Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, first off and foremost, I want to make a correction on the Carl Edwards-Kozlowski deal. I've been a longtime Kozlowski fan. Carl Edwards was actually on probation for the three races, and then going forward, heading into Gateway after the whole deal there, Brad and Carl were placed on probation and and going forward until December 31st of 2010. But here's my thing, take on the no direction deal. He should have been suspended first off and foremost for the one race because if you look at Johnny Sauter, Austin Hill in 2019 at Iowa in the truck series, they parked Sauter, fined him, and also suspended him for the one race where Myatt Snyder stepped in. Where's the, where's the suspension here on Gregson? There should have been a little line there. All right, thanks for, thanks for the phone call there, Allison. Again, consistency coming up here. I, I, I'm not dodging the question. I just yeah. don't I – don't, I remember the Sauter incident. I just don't remember the, suspe- the specifics of it. Uh, I don't I don't think personally that Noah deserved a race suspension. Neither do I. But that's my opinion. But I but again I'm not saying that they are making a consistent call. I don't remember the, the solder thing, the specifics of it. Uh, but I personally don't think he deserved but that may be completely against what they've done I mean, in the past. I, I don't remember that solder incident. A 30 point deduction, I mean, the max you can earn is 60 points, right? So a 30 point deduction is essentially like a half race penalty, right? Well, that, but also you have to remember they're not, they're penalizing Noah, but they're also setting a precedent. So they are, you, you, you gotta remember that. Like they, this, you just mentioned that the caller, um, Allison, mentioned that, hey, they did this to solder, call Edwards. So they are, if they're ever going to be consistent, which I agree with you, they should be consistent, there has to be, this is what we did in this situation. And I agree. If they didn't, if you don't feel like that they are being consistent, they should be consistent. So I, I will I, say this. In the rule book for car infractions, they've gone to the L1, L2, L3. You can make it right, wrong, or whatever, but there's a window of penalty for each car infraction. And I think that has helped absorbing the consistency. They say in L2, well, there's a window, and it's in that window, and you go, okay, right? Like, I think it lets all of us understand, like, okay, here's our framework. So to your point, and to the caller's point, in the idea of consistency, I don't think it'd be black and white, but I think you could create tiers. Hey, like, minor infraction, major infraction, suspendable infraction, you know? And maybe a little bit of general harm's way, multiple infractions, multiple incidents in a year. I don't want black and white, like, if you turn right, you're going to, that's not what I'm saying, but some criteria of why we would go up the escalation of the ladder, so then when the penalty comes out, Nate doesn't hate the statement, and he could say, oh, they said an L2 was this, and here are the three things they referenced. That would make the professor much happier yeah. as, as he read the, pr- am hate, I not wrong, hate, though? No. That would help you, though. That would help. Hate's a strong word, but I like, I like not your hate. idea. So I guess my point is, not hate, let me rephrase it. It would, I think, help the fans understand all of yeah. the process. Yeah. I think it would help NASCAR, too. But in, let's go in NFL, being, right? In like, being NFL, man, with there's five message. yards, there's 10 yards, there's 15 yeah. yards, there's suspensions. At least there's tiers. And NASCAR did that with a car, and it's been great. Yeah. Because see now, what, now they can be like, oh, this is an L3, and everybody goes, <sighs> yeah. But see we know it's coming. when we have civil disagreement. Tell you. <laughs> Telling you. It's amazing. We're sending a message and, here. And the only thing I do want to say is, you mentioned 30 points. It is a big penalty. I, I want to just make sure we understand. We talked about it being Saturday. 35000 is a big number on a Saturday team. That's if you're thinking a, a 3 to $5 million budget, 3 to $4 million budget, I don't know the real number. I don't want to get exact. Versus a $20 million cup budget. So we're saying that's a dollars to $200,000 cup fine. I just want the fan to understand you can't find a Rick Hendrick 
Kyle Larson Cup team the same as a Xfinity team, the same as a truck team. That they do have to be tiered. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. For is, budget reasons. It is a Purses are down, you know. Team. No question. That's All right, we've talked Road America, we've talked Noah Gregson. When we come back, NASCAR American Motor Miles, we're going to talk a little bit of Atlanta, where NASCAR is heading this weekend. That's on the other side of the break here. Come join us, NASCAR American Motor Miles, taking your phone calls. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let me say this, people. Let me say this. Now, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say this. Sorry, caller. I'm going to say this. And let me say this. But I'm going to tell you. But I'm going to tell you. I'm telling you. But I'm telling you. But I'm telling you something. And listen, I will say it forever. This year on Countdown to Green, leading up to the races, we want your questions and comments, and we're going old school. We want you to leave a voice message on Kyle Petty's answering machine, his actual answering machine. That's right. Call 1-844-NASCAR-NBC starting tonight after the show and have your voice be heard. We will select a few of those calls and feature them during our pre-race coverage from Atlanta. Now let's hear from the most recent winner at Atlanta Motor Speedway on how it all happened. Again, across the stripe, Byron, Wallace, Blaney, Chastain, and Elliott. Five to go, so I mean, right now everything's pretty calm. You're not really thinking much about potential moves because you think they're probably going to wait till at least two to go to make a move. Will anybody pull out and try to help Bubble Wallace? Yeah, so right here, two to go is kind of where plan. Try not to give them uh, too much of a gap to, to get a run on you. White flag is out. William Byron continues to hold on. Right here is where I was pretty nervous when they were both lined up on the top, but then they got side by side, which was good. At this point, you're just trying to mash the pedal through the floor. Blaney hits the outside wall off of turn two, it's five. Try to go as fast as you can, even though you know you're wide open, but you're trying to just will it to the finish line. William Byron will hang on and win at Atlanta Motor Speedway in dramatic fashion. Yeah, at this point, just pure excitement. Relief, you know, first one of the year good crowd that day so nice to hear the cheers he went to school there's so much suspense of whether you're gonna close the deal or not and then to come through with it is is just an amazing rewarding feeling great recollection there from william byron on his march 20th victory at a very different oh. mentally taxing atlanta motor speedway correct this one's the one i've had circled in a whole half of the year i won't lie like i love martinsville love the playoffs i love this but I've kind of seen them all, been to them all, felt them all, seen the different tracks, right? Like, I've never seen this one. I watched it on TV. It looked like slot cars. My, my mind was blown. I'm perhaps more excited to see this Sunday's race in person than any race in the second half just because it will truly be something I have never seen. I have never seen Speedway racing on a mile and a half in person, so I can't wait to get to the booth and, and, and see it out the window because on TV, you said it, it's intense. I mean, it is taxing. It is mentally exhausting. I was there in the spring, and it was all that, you know, and I I, I, uh, I was shocked that they stayed single file as long as they did toward the end of that race. It's intense, and I, I uh, the, the you know, it's super speedway racing on a track with corners with a much tighter radius than 
Daytona and Talladega. I still am not convinced, and as hot as it's going to be, that handling isn't going to be a problem. Uh, I talked to a couple of Xfinity drivers this morning, and they told me that they were having handling issues in the spring. So, I don't know. I, I don't understand. No practice. Yeah. Just line them up and qualify and then go race. <laughs> that was I'm my like, point. Is that like when they drop the green in both of these races, drivers I, aren't really sure how their cars are going to handle. The non-driver loves no practice. <laughs> I just, I, I, yeah, I hear you. I'm, 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 I'm. Hey, I'm hoping they drive back. Well, I think yeah. <laughs> so, so, I, you know, so this is the word, and this is the biggest compliment I can give. A Frankenstein comes to mind because, so let's talk Xfinity for a minute. Let's talk Saturday. Regular cars with super speedway horsepower, so, so normal car you see every week with less power than normal. On a track, because of the less power, you're going to hope you can hold it wide open, but there is an increased downforce or drag. So, okay, that's a question mark. Now it has a double yellow line rule, but you have the choose rule because it's really a downforce. Like... So it's, it's a mixture of all these rules. Now you go to Sunday, and we're going to run the Super Speedway package, the big spoiler, also restricted power. Like, so my point is, I have anxiety as a crew chief because if I look back at the season of all the races with non-traditional rules, there been a lot of mistakes. The field that didn't know how to score it at Bristol, whether we rejoined or didn't rejoin <laughs> after the rain. I, like, like, I actually right. think NASCAR said it, but like they're like, oh, yeah. well, we didn't know because it's kind of in the minutia, right? Right. And then we go to the All-Star Race, and I believe a team didn't realize you were going to do a, a green-white checkered, even if you didn't see the check, right? Yeah. So I'm going to bring these up because every time we have a little bit abnormal, there's been a little bit of a hiccup by someone. Yeah. So when I go to Atlanta, who's going to run over the choose cone because they don't think it's in effect because it's a speedway? Who's going to go below the WL line because they don't think it's a speedway? Like, like yeah. who's going to make a mental error because it's a little abnormal? And what happens if they pin under the green flag, which uh, they never did? I'm in glad March. you said that. Oh yeah. boy! Because I was I was terrified. Well, I'm like, what are they going to do when they pit on the green? Like, how are they going to make this work? They can't get on pit road at Daytona and Talladega without wrecking. <laughs> and and, and from the straight. Away. I mean, yeah, from the straight. So now you're going to do that in the corner. Yeah. Like, I it's. And that, you can't practice it. It didn't happen in March. You can't practice it this week. I want to know like, what the rule I, I, is. Like, can you stay on the banging? Can you yeah. come to the apron? Is NASCAR going to like this? Is going to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it, it that that's not going to be different than any other Atlanta race. But just getting it done is going to be a difficult. But it's going to be an intense. So race. you think the rules will be the same? Enter whenever you want. Just get under the ball. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's but here, Great. look. But here's the thing. This is an opportunity, right? And there's a lot of drivers. And I don't care. Listen, we all go to we all go to sleep as drivers, thinking tomorrow's going to be better. But if you look at stats and you look at where you're running, this is for many drivers the opportunity here in Daytona to get in the playoffs. I don't care what they tell you, fans. Don't listen to them when they say, "Well, we're not going to make the playoffs. We can't win them. We don't want to be in them anyway." That's a lie. If you're not in the playoffs and you're a team that's con- that is used to continuing, it's a failure. End of story. So this is the chance. This and Daytona are the chances for multiple teams. And if they don't believe it, then they're, they're in denial. Then when they go in this race, it's going to click. And they're going to go and they're going to try to make something happen because this is it. This and Daytona. And I'll go one further. You go to Talladega, it's 2.66 miles. I'm going to ride in the back because I can easily keep up. Plus, I have two miles behind me of racetrack. Daytona, the same thing. So you go to Atlanta and you say, hey, we want to be conservative. What does that mean? Where do you go? I mean, it's a mile and a half. Is conservative like a quarter lap behind? Are you going to get lapped? Are you good? And, and how do you get from here to there? And if you're 500 yards behind, are you going to have enough time to miss it anyway? The thing's only 30 feet wide. So, you know, it's not even if, if you are anyone in the field. I'm not sure if you have a strategy how you even execute it. 
Like, I, like, I just yeah. don't think yeah. we know, right? Like, right. Yeah, and you well, can't, if you ride around the back, how are you going to get, how are you, are you going to make it four wide right. to get to the front? And no. let me add that everybody like, says leading's a place to be. Let me just remind everybody that every tire that went flat and every wreck, not every wreck, half the wrecks were from the, the leader. Yeah. So I'm not even sure that's a good place to hang out. A lot of different questions for drivers, and we could bring a driver on on the other side and I talk like to a driver. Let's Why do it. Why not? Cody Ware will join us on NASCAR America Motor Mouse when we come back from the break to talk about Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. There he is. There's Cody. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef, and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Most challenging part at Southwick would obviously be the deep sand. It's the the one race a year where you're dealing with those conditions, we deal with either hot weather or it rains there. So very challenging mentally and physically. I'd say the biggest thing is physically, just because of how much it wears your body down. So Southwick is one of those races you, you circle on the list and you make sure you're ready for it. The most challenging part of Southwick is just making it through the moto period and it wears on you, it wears on your body. So you gotta be, you gotta be fit and you gotta be ready for that one. It uh, promises to be another raucous crowd at motocross, this time in the Northeast at the WIC, Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. But before that, check out Monster Jam in Miami on CNBC. Then all of NASCAR will be on USA. Xfinity Series Saturday starts with Countdown the Green at 4.30 Eastern. And coverage of the Cup Race starts Sunday at 2 Eastern. One driver that will be in that race joins us now. Cody Ware. Cody, I know you're uh, heading to Atlanta this weekend. Uh, you're coming off the Road America race. I know that didn't go exactly how you wanted, but I know you had a special paint scheme that you ran uh, this past weekend in Wisconsin as well. Yeah, it was really awesome. Uh, NerdTech ODT and Nine Line uh, Foundation Apparel partnered up together. We had over 350 service members on the hood to honor people for Fourth of July weekend, and uh, really cool to uh, partner with them. We did th- we did a similar thing for the Coke 600 and uh, had a really good weekend with them and just getting to work with all the guys at Nine Line, honoring, you know, current, you know, current service members as well as veterans was just a really awesome experience. Cody, that's an, that's an awesome thing. You know, every time we can honor the military, and I feel like our sport and your team does a great job of doing that. Uh, we were just having this discussion about Atlanta, and uh, <laughs> I would love to get your, your take on, on going into Atlanta, where your mindset is. You know, actually, you guys kind of had me thinking about something that I wasn't thinking about before, which is green flag pit stops. Obviously, we were lucky to not <laughs> have any of those. So um, especially without even a 15, 20 minute practice to make a run down, it's definitely going to be interesting. But kind of to your guys's point with uh, it kind of being a race where someone can make it into the playoffs. I think that it might even be crazier than what we saw back in uh, back in the spring. So I think that uh, trying to be there at the end and, uh, you know, have a good run, I think is important. We had speed. Uh, they're there in the, the spring race, but uh, got collected in a late race incident. So I think hopefully if we can just come back with a good car like we did last time and then, uh, you know, execute on it all the, way to the, all the way to the end this time. So, Cody, when I look at the season in, as a whole for Rick Ware Racing, uh, it's been impressive, right? The moves you guys have made to align with Stuart Haas at times, to bring in people like 
uh, Joey Hayne last weekend. We see multiple drivers in the 15. You're consistent in the 51. Like, take, take a step back. I think at times, you know, it's for the fan, there's so many battles on the racetrack. You know, it's hard to pick and choose which one you want. But for the, for the Cody Ware fans out there, it seems like you're showing up certain weeks with more speed, more technology, more health. It's got to be just encouraging to be the driver, knowing that each and every week you're finding new ways to try to, you know, be more competitive, faster. And like you said, kind of strike gold, go to Atlanta. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us is just uh, we need a little more of that consistency, to your point. We've had some weekends where we've really shown some pace, but uh, I feel like as we're growing as a small team, learning the things that we didn't know in years past and elevating our program has um, been good in a lot of ways, but also kind of shown where some of our potential weak points have been. So trying to eliminate those weak points and have the pace and speed be a little bit more consistent is definitely the goal for this last half of the season. And I'm just really proud of everybody, Billy Plord and everyone on my car has been phenomenal and uh, obviously taken really good care of me and putting their faith in me to drive this car every weekend. And then obviously the 15 has been doing a lot better as well. So for us to take the step and to uh, elevate our program, obviously it's not going to all happen at once, but, um, you know, proud to be racing for my father and uh, really happy to be continuing to grow this and see where it goes uh, for the rest of this year and, and years, years to come. Cody, we just heard Jeff talking about it. I mean, this is an X-Factor race, and just we'll wrap up here with you. I mean, we just saw your best cup finish was 17th at Daytona, Atlanta being compared to Daytona-Talladega. Are you going into this weekend, Sunday, looking at this as potentially being an X-Factor race for your team? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime we go to one of these play races, uh, we've had speed. You know, we were, you know, top 10 through practice days at the Daytona 500. We had top 10 speed at Atlanta in practice. Obviously, we didn't qualify. Um we were running well for most of the race before we got caught up. So I think that, uh, you know, we have to look at it as we're going to win. And I think that uh, we've seen a lot of first-time winners this year. And, you know, I would really uh, think I'd be pretty stoked to uh, join a list of all the guys that have, you know, won this year for the first time. Um, just part of, part of elevating it is trying to go for wins now. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. All right. Well, good luck on becoming maybe the sixth first-time winner uh, at Atlanta this season. Good luck to you this weekend. Thanks for joining us, Cody. Awesome. Yep. Thanks for having me. Cody's doing a really good job, I and mean, I've watched him race a lot this year. And I, I, it's difficult for those smaller teams to take the fight to Penske's and Gibbs, and but they're doing a really nice job. And you mentioned that 15 car; they're putting talent in that car. Yep, uh, that's helping make their program better. But over, I mean, they're just building. It's gonna be interesting to see where they are five years from now. If you step back and look, you can see there is a calculated approach, right? You see precinted at times. You see different drivers. Joey Hand has Ford on the side. I don't think that's by <laughs> surprise. More Ford support, so. Uh, Rick Ware and his executive group are doing a very good job of putting more pieces of the puzzle together to grow, right? And, and I, you can't get there right away. It's, it's week by week, month by month, year by year, good for them. All right, uh, prediction time. Who's going to win? Prediction oh, time. Wait, I didn't know we were doing predictions. Prediction. Oh, <laughs> prediction time. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. He's finally going to win a race. Okay. Repeat. Year. William Byron. William Byron. All right. I think, I think this track is pure chaos. And um, I think some youth, some exuberance, and the only guy that figured it out last time, he you know, figured it out again. All right. Well, we're looking forward to being well, back what, at Atlanta Motor Speedway. You haven't predicted it. No, I'm not making predictions. We're looking forward to Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. We're also looking forward to having Kyle Petty back with us this weekend. And he missed the last two weekends because, as you can see on his Instagram account, he was welcoming the birth of his uh, new son. And he was born this past week. So, uh I'm Congratulations excited. to Kyle Petty. Congratulations, but I can't wait to have KP back because he would have called you out completely for not making a pick right now, <laughs> as I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it on every show this weekend. So tune in, USA. Non-willing to predict, Nate. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks for watching.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.